Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 71, I Will Be Merciful Unto My People. Welcome to a start of another week. I have been doing the Sister Scriptorian podcast for a year and a half now. And I have a question for you. Have you given us a rating yet? If you haven't, why not? This is episode 71. We've been hanging out for a while. And it's time for you to find that little rating section and give us some stars. When you do so, it really does help people find this podcast, especially if they're searching for Book of Mormon or scripture study. It helps sister scriptorians be significant in those searches. And my goal, my challenge for us is to have 100 ratings by the end of this year. And this is so doable. I know giving reviews takes time. You have to think about what you're going to say. Maybe you've never done it before. And so that feels like a commitment. But giving us a rating is just really just clicking on the stars. The more the better. And then if you feel inclined, I'm not going to stop you. Feel free to share this with others. Each episode has a share button that you can share it with others. Or you know why not? Let's just share the whole podcast. (laughs) However you wish to do it. I just want to encourage you. There might be someone out there who just needs a little help understanding the scriptures or developing that relationship with their Savior, that they just need to hear things said in maybe a slightly different way. Anyways, if they can use some lifting up, I hope that this podcast can be one of the tools in which you do try and lift them up. So the common goal is out there for all of us. 100 ratings by the end of this year. We can do it. Let's do it together. 100 ratings. Okay, now on to the chapter for this week. Though this section of scripture, which is 2 Nephi chapter 23, isn't included in the scriptural references for the hymn, Hope of Israel, that hymn for me was the background music in my mind as I studied and I contemplated this part of Isaiah's prophecy. Remember, Isaiah's prophetic years were around 740 BC to around 698 BC. His prophecies were multi-layered and transcended different periods of time. His time, future periods of time for Jerusalem, the latter days, and the millennium. So here, in this chapter, Isaiah is prophesying what will happen to Jerusalem. And his prophecies are also a type of what will happen before the second coming. And today, the point that stood out to me stood out in my mind, is actually the last phrase in the chapter. I will be merciful unto my people, but the wicked shall perish. And for me, this is a no-brainer as to which group I desire to be a part of. If the Lord is dividing all of his children into just two groups, if he is simplifying it that way, my people and the wicked, I desire to be in the first group. And I'm aware that this is just my interpretation of what God's words are here. As I read this, and I think about what we do today with all of the groups and categories we put each other in, when it all boils down, when everything has been said and then done, 
all the differentiations that we've made here on earth are not going to matter. All of the separatism, all of the special interest groups, all of the categories that we find pride in belonging to, all the efforts that we make to distinguish ourselves from one another, it's just not going to mean diddly squat. It will only boil down to two groups, God's people and the wicked. And in 2 Nephi chapter 23, Nephi has reiterated the words of Isaiah. He has captured the picture of what God's people will be busy doing. Isaiah says, lift up a banner upon the high mountain, exalt the voice unto them. God's people will be holding up the banner, the beacon, to attract all of the children of God who desire to draw unto him, to come and to make covenants with him and to be protected by him. What an awesome responsibility ours is. These can be dark days when the world weighs heavily upon God's children. People everywhere seem to know that something is amiss. It's not right and it's changing. Even our very own children, if you watch them, feel the burden of this increasingly contentious world. The pressures of perfectionism, the pressures of belonging, enduring the constant jabbing at God's standards and the desecration of the sacred that's laced constantly in either our speech or our music, our entertainment, you know, even in news reports, the public forum, and even our educational institutions. God knew that this period of time was going to be like that. And he knew it's only going to grow worse. And yet, isn't it phenomenal that this is the exact period of time in which he placed you? This is the time in which you're either anticipating being a mother, you are a mother, or you're the influential grandmother. You, as a covenant-keeping daughter of God, are intended to lift the banner. You are being called and commanded to do so, to attract all to find respite and power in the high mountain of the Lord. In just a few weeks will be conference, and I know we're going to hear this message in some form because we've been hearing it for a, quite a while now. And I don't think it's impossible to overestimate the role that we've been given. As God's daughters, we are the nurturers and the teachers who are preparing the ranks of God's army to pour out throughout the face of the earth. Or as Isaiah says, Exalt the voice unto them, shake the hand, that they may go into the gates of the nobles. Or in other words, to penetrate the institutions of this world, to stand up for truth and righteousness, despite what the nobles of Babylon may say or do. Isaiah captures the trust that the Lord has in us when he wrote, I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones, for my anger is not upon them that rejoice in my highness. Each time we engage in ordinances and make covenants, each time we partake of the sacrament, bear testimony, pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us, each time we repent and we begin again, through the atonement of Jesus Christ, we are sanctified. He cleanses us. And when we act in his name, bearing his name, and keeping in step with his order and his standards, 
he sanctifies our efforts. He makes our small efforts enough in this battle against darkness and wickedness. He uses us and then he places us within his ranks and then we become one amongst the hosts of heaven. And you know, it's not just going to be the people of Salt Lake City or the United States or the Western Hemisphere. It's not going to even just be from this world, but they come from a far country, from the end of heaven, yea, the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. That's verse five. Okay, so this sounds a little intense, yet it also sounds relieving that God in his ways will be capable, he'll have the capacity to push back against the wickedness of the world and will have the power to be able to make it all right. Sometimes we hear things like humility and long-suffering, temperance and patience, charity and trust, and we think that these are such passive attributes. And we question how these things are possibly going to be more powerful than the anger, loudness, fast pace, the abrasive of nature of the adversary. His ways do appear right now to be advancing and feel so powerful and overwhelming. But you know, this is not ours to be concerned about. Remember, we are to be God's people, to be like him as much as we can, to embrace those attributes of Christ, and then lift up the banner and then stand firm. That is our work to do. At the time that Isaiah delivered this prophecy, Babylon was actually a prosperous city. Its demise was not on the radar at all. In fact, after Isaiah's prophecies, which occurred roughly 175 years before Babylon was destroyed, it only continued to grow in strength. And it's easy for us thousands of years later to benefit from the hindsight that the prophet's words would come to fruition. But can you see how the unbelievers during Isaiah's time probably thought he was nuts and went unconvinced? Yet, Babylon's destruction took place just like Isaiah prophesied. A higher power, the Medes, were sent in and caused havoc and conquered the inhabitants of that great city. And though it took a few hundred years for the full completion of Babylon's destruction, it happened. And all that is left now are the ruins of Babylon that once was. However, remarkably, Jerusalem still carries on. And if this chapter is stated to be a type of the second coming, then I believe that we are going to see these prophecies fulfilled once again, and that it could take a long time for it all to play out. The Lord, in reference to the wicked, says that destruction will come, and shall all hands be faint, every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pains and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. And you know, the little understanding that my mind can imagine focuses on they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. Are we seeing this right now? Perhaps we're seeing glimpses of it. 
If you listen closely, many are in a state of fight or flight. They're in fear. And who has not been affected either personally or through a loved one by anxiety, fight or flight? Pains and sorrows appear to be heightened, don't they? And happening at younger ages. And something is happening And I'm not sure exactly what it is. And you know, I don't know the neat explanation of these current occurrences. And I'm not even 100% sure that this is exactly what Isaiah is referring to. But it is what comes to my mind as I try and liken these scriptures unto what I might understand and be experiencing. The gospel of Jesus Christ, though, the good news of Jesus Christ, does offer solutions for fear and pain and sorrow. The correct knowledge of God and his characteristics offer perspective, and therefore his people can be fortified and they can be sanctified. One is the correct knowledge of God and his characteristics. This knowledge offers us perspective, and therefore we can be fortified and we can be sanctified in our efforts to combat against the effects of mortality. And mortality is a time to prepare ourselves and to learn from our experiences To learn from experiences with fear and what we must do in order to be able to manage our mind and our bodies and our spirits so that we, again, so that we can lift the banner and offer God's solace to the rest of God's children. Remember, this is our job, to lift the banner, to attract God's children to the high mountain. And that may mean that some of us are going to experience these tribulations of life so that we can discover the remedy that the gospel offers and then to draw people unto it. The day of the Lord will come, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, Isaiah says, and the land will be desolate and the sinners destroyed. Isaiah gives us the illustration of the, of the heavens also participating in this event, with the stars not giving their light, the sun being darkened, and the moon won't cause her light to shine. The arrogancy of the proud will cease. And in verse 13, Isaiah says that the Lord will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Now, I've always taken this verse literally. And perhaps it is. I, I think it were meant to. However, I thought I would share with you what the Institute Manual enlightened me with. And I believe it was from the Old Testament one. When I was looking up explanations for Isaiah, either either it was the Old Testament Institute Manual or the Book of Mormon Institute Manual. It was one of those. And it says to have the heavens shaken and the earth removed That's actually a Jewish figure of speech, and it suggests a time of great calamity and disaster. There will actually be a literal fulfillment of this prophecy when the earth is restored to its paradisical glory. But as I thought about this, Isaiah could also be referring to a great state of calamity and disaster that that we'll experience here on earth leading up to the restoration of the earth. And I think this could be physical, such as floods or tornadoes, earthquakes or fires. But it also, I could see it being political, sociological, emotional, financial. I guess what I'm contemplating is that though Babylon had the Medes that came and conquered it and set Babylon on the path beginning with decline and then eventually leading to destruction, there's a possibility 
we might be on that path. The path of the Babylonians took a long time. And I think when Isaiah refers to the latter days, I know we know that we're living in the latter days, but the latter days might be not so distant as we think they are. The hope of Israel is that God's people will refuse to go over the cliff with the rest of the world, that will see its decline, will see the path that it's on, will see it for what it is, and then we'll get ourselves to the great high mountain, and that we won't be afraid to go into the gates of the nobles and proclaim a different way, to proclaim God's way. And you know that's going to require things of us. It's going to require us to do the things that the prophets have already counseled us to do. That we must know for ourselves the word of God. To recognize the chieftain's signals, his counsel, his warnings, his game plan, his offensive strategies, and his defensive plays. That we're going to have to learn how to receive personal revelation. And then teach it to our children so that they will learn how to do the same. We're going to need to recognize truth and then also recognize error so that we can choose to be defenders of truth. Even if, even if we look unsophisticated, unsavvy, and old-fashioned compared to our peers who are choosing a different way, our protection will be our discernment and our strength will come through our prayer. Hope of Israel, Zion's army, children of the promised day, see the chieftain's signals onward and the battles in array. See the foe in countless numbers, marshaled in the ranks of sin. Hope of Israel, on to battle, now the victory we must win. Strike for Zion down with error, flash the sword above the foe. Every stroke disarms a foeman, every step we conquering go. Soon the battle will be over, every foe of truth be down. Onward, onward, youth of Zion, thy reward the victor's crown. Hope of Israel, rise in might, with the sword of truth and right. Sound the war cry, watch and pray. Vanquish every foe today. Sister Scriptorians, will you lift the banner? Will you open your mouth and offer the solace of the gospel of Jesus Christ? the good news of Jesus Christ? Will you offer truth and righteousness to the institutions that you are a part of right now? Will you turn to Jesus Christ to strengthen you and fortify your hearts? Will you find joy in being his people? Make it a great day.